Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Prime Subjective, uh, uh, where we're going to discuss Season 4, Episode 5 of Star Trek Discovery, uh, The Examples. Uh, and my name is Chris Newcomer. With me, as always, is Jay Nim. Hello, 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 hello. Oh, okay, that was, <laughs> that was extra and beyond. We loved it. Carrie coleman Hinners. Hello, 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 hello. And, okay, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off that last hello. Would you like to try it one more time and I won't cut you off? Just kidding. Nope, and nope. Mike Henley. <laughs> I can't compete with what's come before, so just hello. Oh, see, listen. I, I can't, I can't top it. You know, Mike, sometimes brevity is the soul of wit, I've heard. So perhaps mm -hmm. one on your own. That's quite good. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to start off with what I always start off with, which is my favorite part of the whole podcast. It's my segment called How You Doing? Uh, so Carrie, how you doing? Oh, me first, me first. I'm doing well. Uh, I watched the William Shatner in Space show on uh, Amazon. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah, now, it was nice. It was nice to hear uh, him speak about his experience and get really emotional and start crying. And Aww. how lovely. How lovely. How lovely for him. Well, and, and devotees of the uh, podcast will know that Carrie has, has previously referred to William Shatner as a father figure yes. uh, in her life. So she does care about yeah. the, the, them. I care about him very, very much. Yes. Mm -hmm. well, that's sweet. That's good. I'm glad you enjoyed yeah. it. I have to check it out. Um, hey, Jay, how you doing? How am I doing? Um, I'm good. I finished Lower Decks on Friday. Um, that show is just wonderful. It's like a warm <laughs> hug from someone else who watched Star Trek and <laughs> wants to poke fun at it with you. Good way to it put really, it. Yeah, it really feels like I could see the conversations behind its creation as I was watching it. And it mm -hmm. felt like, you know, like a nice reward for being a faithful fan. And it also helped me feel like I'm not just a curmudgeon who doesn't like new things because I truly <laughs> love that show. Yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not just that. That's just one aspect of your, your, your beautiful, wonderful personality. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. It's a, it's a good thing. <laughs> hey, Mike Henley. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing, uh, you know, it's the ramp up to Christmas and I just feel like just between that and between work, I've been busy, but uh, I've been, I, I've been good. I wish I could say like I've started new shows or anything like that, you know, in between mm -hmm. start, but I kind of haven't, honestly, maybe I can take, hopefully I'm trying to take a couple days off basically of, you know, it's complicated sometimes at my job, but like, I'm trying to do that and maybe catch up on like a whole bunch of stuff. My girlfriend and I, we have like a whole spreadsheet that we've been keeping for like a year and a half of like, Oh, we need to watch this movie. Oh, we should, we should watch this show. And all that kind of stuff. that spreadsheet is now very, very, very long. So oh, man. getting there. I appreciate the diligence though. You don't want to let any, <laughs> any uh, media slip through the cracks. Right. So that's a good right. Thing. Or does it just make you painfully aware of how much you haven't watched? It's, it's, it does <laughs> once both. Again, it, yeah. Once again, Jay with the glass half full approach <laughs> to, the, <laughs> to the spreadsheet. <laughs> it's also fun going back to a, a list like that after several months and be like, why did we want to watch that again? <clears throat> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, why don't I have deliverance on there? Weird. No, um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, a classic, obviously. Deliverance is great. Yeah. 
Yeah. How are you doing, yeah, Chris? Chris? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm a little, uh, it's been a crazy, you know, uh, as Mike was saying, the ramp up to the holiday, um, you know, at crazy times, um, scary times, um, you know, it, it's it's an interesting world we're currently living in. And so I found myself tonight uh, mm. a little more exhausted than normal on, a, on the beginning of the week, but I'm, I'm rolling through. I feel good. I, I did take some great, uh, oh, before I talk about what we're going to talk about, I do want to say that I did watch all of The Witcher uh, this weekend, and I have oh, to tell you, okay. I love The Witcher so much. I watched the first season when it was on Netflix. I played the game. But also, we have some other wonderful uh, things to speak about, including um, things that happen in the news that don't relate to the pandemic, which oh. is Star Trek in the news. And Carrie, I'm going to throw it over to you for Trek in the News. Wow. Thank you. Just a real quick Trek in the News the iconic ears of Mr. Spock are in the news today. Um, is there a more iconic set of ears in science fiction than those of Mr. Spock? I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, so <laughs> uh, those were, they were recently donated to the Smithsonian Museum. So they have a large, the Smithsonian has a large Star Trek um, uh, collection. In, in addition mm -hmm. to uh, the Star Trek, uh, the original series, the Enterprise uh, model is there too. So now you can also see the ears of Mr. Spock. Uh, Leonard Nimoy brought them home from uh, the end of the run of the original series and displayed them in a little box to keep them safe. And now his son, um, Adam, Adam Nimoy, has donated them to the museum. And that's the news. That's the Star Trek news today. That's really nice. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I also think I think the Air and Space Museum is such a cool place. So what what how how um amazing to have a little bit of Star Trek memorabilia there as well. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I like that this the Enterprise is in the section of the Air and Space Museum with all of the other uh historical uh mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like real ships you know yeah. in the museum and also there's this uh, it like represents hope for the future you know yeah yeah i love that um well good well why don't we why don't we dive in and start talking about this episode which was called as i mentioned the examples i think we found a nice little rhythm i'm going to go through um sort of the three yeah. different um the a b and c plots of this week and I would say, and you could disagree or agree with me, that the A-plot was sort of the evacuation of uh, the folks of Radvek 5, who, um, mm -hmm. yeah, so the, basically the story opens, uh, the show opens, and we see the, the DMA, the, which of course stands for Dolly Parton's Musical uh, uh, Awareness. No, it's not that. <laughs> uh, it stands for... <laughs> uh, uh, the What does it stand for again? Something Dolly Parton Museum of Art. Dark Matter... Anomaly. Dark matter anomaly. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So we see the dark, dark matter anom anomaly. We see the USS Janeway approach it, which I appreciated. Such good yes. reference. And the, Love it. Yeah. Yes. And the Tapau. And the Tapau is also a reference. Hey, uh, nice. That's a Vulcan um, historical, one of major historical figures on Vulcan. Tapau. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was on several series. Uh, she was on the original series. Uh, yeah. That would explain why that I'm not familiar with that name. <laughs> just, wow. just kidding. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She also showed up. An Enterprise. An Enterprise. She was a, yeah. a younger version of Tapau and Enterprise, and um, a, a holographic version of Tapau on Voyager. 
And so a couple of references to T'Pau every now and then. So nice. they're honoring both Janeway and T'Pau on those ships. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm glad, we're glad for that. But then we see the DMA um, disappears and reappears four seconds later, uh, a thousand light years away. And um, they're having a discussion about what's going on. And finally, um, uh, they realize that the DMA is uh, not man-made. Uh, it's, it's, it's not natural. It's man-made, in fact. And so they've realized that it's not a natural phenomenon, but rather someone is causing these horrible things to happen. And because it has reappeared somewhere else, it's now put um, Radvik 5 in possibly in the wake of where the anomaly is going. So they have to send an evacuation mission. Um, so they're sending all their ships. They're sending Discovery. Um, and Michael and her team uh, head that way. Um, any thoughts about that this sort of beginning opening scene from folks as we, we work our way through this this A storyline? A little bit, a little bit. Um, I just have a little, uh, uh, I've, I've, I've come up with a few Easter eggs. I've caught a few little Easter eggs in the show. And the first yeah. one is the Akali species that they're going to evacuate from Radvek 5 is a species that they're, they're not new to us. I looked them up because I did recognize their little forehead lumps and I'm like okay everybody's got forehead lumps but those are forehead <laughs> lumps I uh, remember somehow and on an episode of Enterprise uh, Jonathan Archer goes down to a plant this is before they have the prime directive and this is like in the first season and he decides that he's going to go just hang out on a planet with these hmm. uh, people and their their translator isn't working very well and he discovers another alien Does, is, is that jogging anybody's memory? I remember this episode yeah it's um, very early yeah now. so that is the Akali. So on Enterprise, they oh. were a pre-warp um, ancient sort of, uh, okay. uh, not ancient civilization, but on an Enterprise, they were a pre-warp uh, society that Jonathan Archer encountered. So <laughs> so now they're um, uh, colonizing Radvek 5 and have- And I guess they're part of the Emerald Chain as well, which is why we, we get the, you know, yeah. the tidbits that they're not in yeah. fact part of the Federation, but the Federation is the only uh, yeah. organization with the amount of ships and uh, person power to, to uh, mount uh, a rescue yeah. mission, yeah. which There's is why we're heading out that way. Something else. Oh, sorry. Other, another, other, okay, you can, you can, I have some more Easter eggs I was gonna share with you. I was going to say, that's kind of sad that they're the only ones because it's only like 500 people in that colony, right? It's 1,200 on the colony. Oh, it's 1,200? 1,200. 1200 it's oh. literally 1,206, and then the extra six are the prisoners, which I was right, like, right, come right. on, guys. <laughs> like, that's the, that's a little, those numbers are a little too, like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> easy. A little too neat. Yeah, yeah, a little too neat on that. I was like, did someone just want to make this easy for the spreadsheet, the spreadsheet they were creating for this episode? Yeah. I don't know. Spreadsheet should be office slang. <laughs> spreadsheet. I did. I meant spreadsheets. I did mean spreadsheet. <laughs> it sounds bad either way. Let's be real. Yeah. Boss has got me <laughs> knee deep in the spreadsheet this week. You know? <laughs> so many spreadsheets. I cannot get this. Yeah, yeah I've got a case yeah. of the spreadsheets. Too much cheese mm. at lunch. No, that's oh, not. Uh, well, in his presentation, he just dropped a spreadsheet all over everyone in the room. <laughs> So sidestepping the spreadsheet for now, um, let's get back to the plot. Uh, and so, um, <clears throat> so a bunch of ships, including uh, the Discovery head out there, and, and Michael has a conversation with the magistrate of Radvik 5, who looks like he uh, has fully um, swallowed a lemon. He looks like a rather sour gentleman, yeah. uh, which proves to be the case later on in the episode. Oh, we skipped something. We skipped something I wanted to say. We skipped Easter over eggs. something. 
the, mm -hmm. the, we skipped over some Easter eggs here, Admiral uh, Vance. Then, I, well, first of all, I my personal opinion is that was kind of a big leap to say that someone uh, created the um, anomaly because it could have been something, some culture, some some technology, some, it could have been, they were using the term someone, and I thought that was too specific of a, mm -hmm. of a jump to come to that conclusion. Um, like there's just some guy behind a curtain going, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh, then uh, Admiral Vance dropped some names and I, and it was really funny because for, I felt like he was doing this for the audience too. Just so you know, it's not the Metron, it's not the Nassim, yeah, it's not the Iconian, <laughs> it's not the Q continuum. continuum we haven't yeah. seen them for 600 years. No one's right. seen the Q for 600 years. It's probably not them. This is not like them. This is not like them anyway. But the other, the other uh, cultures that that he the other species that he referenced um the metron were from the original series they were the ones who famously uh made kirk fight the glorn in that very famous episode so they were sort of that uh um uh, extremely intelligent uh, the ones with the big uh, heads mm, no. no who am i thinking of mm. Mm. you were thinking of the ones who put him in a in, in the cage in the in like the pilot episode they yeah, were actually yeah, yeah. on discovery mm -hmm. too there was those oh, were right, right, right. Mm -hmm. in like the first season oh and they're with um, pike now, yep yes they're yep. with pike and yeah. uh the nasine the nasine is actually the actual name for the caretakers who threw voyager across into the Delta oh, oh i didn't yeah. realize that hey. yeah yeah hmm. And, that little, that uh, little piece of coral yeah. that pulled them all the way from uh, from. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, as far as yeah. we know, there were only two in a scene. It was like the old banjo man and the woman, and the banjo yeah. man died, and he turned into a rock, and the the, yeah. the woman was a little girl and was angry or something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which we've referenced uh, is a is a very Star Trek thing to have a, a yeah. malevolent entity, right. but be a very tiny child. Yes, um, yes. And now the Iconians maybe is a is a deep cut, but people of friends of the next generation would recognize this because these were an ancient uh, uh, species who are now ex extinct. Mm -hmm. uh, but they had uh, developed these gateways. They had this gateway technology, so you can step through a gate in one part of the galaxy and enter through a different part of the galaxy. And you remember that one episode of the next generation where they're, they, they, they're standing by the gate and uh, he's trying to get onto the enterprise <laughs> and he's like, they're cycling through, cycling through, cycling through and hoping to get, you know, onto the enterprise. So those are the Iconians. And of course the Q are, are the Q, right. but the Q uh, Picard took place 700 years prior to discovery this season. Yeah. I was wondering if that was a reference to, the last time we saw them was the last time they tarried with Picard, yeah. basically. So we so, don't know. Maybe that yeah. was sort of like, we don't know what's going to happen in Picard. You don't know either. It's been 700 years since Picard, but we haven't seen the Q in 600. So. But what if, if the, what if the Picard synth robot makes an appearance? In the, although I guess they've said that he's going to age <laughs> like his normal body would, right? They said that that yeah. robot body would right. also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe not. I think those are all that, of my little Easter eggs that were set up in the beginning. That exchange just maybe. That exchange just made me think about how hard it must be to be a Starfleet analyst, too, because it's just like, which, you know, like th this this crazy thing we're trying to investigate. Do you think yeah. it was these omnipotent people who put it together? It's like, no, it probably wasn't yeah. them. What about these no. guys? They could do it. It's like, no, it probably wasn't them. Should we yeah. ask them? I don't know. How do we do that? Like, like they, right. it sounds very difficult. 
I hope that the DMA is a species that we do not know about. I hope it's mm-hmm. not somebody that we know that is just trying to uh, manipulate the Starfleet because that would be really uh, sucky. I, th- I hope right. it would be, yeah. or I would hope it would be some sort of, uh, it's, it's its own species, you know, it's its own thing. And we've seen that a couple of times on Star Trek too. Um, it's, it's sentient, it's sentient in itself. It's its own mm. thing. So that's yeah. what I would hope. Uh, I have a question for you all. Over the course of this podcast, I feel like more than a few times, it's been said that the show is trying to mimic, which is trying to not mimic, sorry, but reference current events and trying to parallel current events mm-hmm. and things like, you know, being thrust into an unfamiliar time and making your way is sort of a was seen as a way of helping a way of talking about the adjustment back to society after isolating ourselves um and i kind of like the subtext of that comparison was was that this dma is sort of some uh, a, a metaphor for something some existential threat that humanity is going through today either covid or global warming or something um, and I wasn't totally on board, but I was willing to entertain it. But now that it's man-made, mm-hmm. does it still parallel anything? In well, isn't climate life? change man-made? But the, but <laughs> yeah, the, but I think what's, that's true. But I guess what, what I'm really going for is like, there's really, they're really gearing up for it to be some easily identifiable yeah. enemy who is making this DMA. I think that it's someone, I think they said someone created it. I don't think they meant, I don't think they didn't say man-made. They said it was a created thing, not a natural phenomenon. So those are the two, those are the two things that some, this happened, it is not natural what is happening here. And I also think that the analogy doesn't have to be like a hundred percent perfect to match. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, it can be, it can be a portion of this thing is representing COVID and the rest of it is actually representing something else, you know? Um, So I think, I think, um, yeah, but I still think, I still think they're, they're certainly working through some stuff. As we yeah, all are. In, um, in the 1960s, I mean, start to the original series was sort of uh, came from, I mean, the Cold War was going on during the original series and they wanted to have a ship where every, you know, person, every nationality was represented on that ship and showed a, a vision of the future of people working together. So I think it's not as specific as Chris said. I would say it's more of like a feeling. I think it's trying to convey a feeling and not a specific one-to-one analogy. That's what I got from the the world exploding as a metaphor for how we feel and not, you know, mm-hmm. literal, not literal. Um, yeah, that's that's what I was getting from it. So that's why I was hoping that if this dark matter anomaly uh, was created, it wasn't created by somebody that we know. It's like, how can we all work together to solve one thing? So everybody in the whole place needs to come together and figure out to solve one thing. So if somebody in app that we currently know has created this, that would break that for me. You know what I mean? There, it has to be for me an other. Yeah, I, we are operating with a lot of unknowns, so hard to say anything definitive about 
what they're going for, like what the implications of this one piece of knowledge are when there could be so many more revealed the next episode mm -hmm. that would change. Mm -hmm. Things are changing in our own life, you know, right now as we speak. We thought we could be mask free and the vaccines would uh, protect us, but now suddenly, hey, you know what? It's not really helping. You got to wear your masks and we can't, you know, have our indoor gatherings anymore. And so we got to, you know, go back to that. So we kind of can't, we don't even know what's going on day to day in our own <laughs> real life. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and and it's true that the that climate change is a really big deal. That is not a far away uh, problem. That is a now. That is a now problem. Yeah. So. Well, what we do know is that next in the plot. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that, Chris very just bringing this on track here. Uh, yeah. Next in the plot, you, what Chris. happens is they get there. They're speaking with the magistrate. They they beam down to the planet and they figure out. They're Wait, like, okay. Before that. <laughs> Before that, um, part of this like plot line is that I, I don't know if you're counting the book plot line as a separate like book working. I am, I am, yeah. Oh, you are? Yeah, I, I think I am. No, no, I'm not. Because isn't that he Culber working through his grief as kind of like one of the three? Yeah, but I have book in you know. Um, yeah, go ahead. So what? Yeah, say say what you're thinking. Well, I just there's a there's a funny scene where uh, Burnham is on the bridge as they approach the planet, and Book is there too, and they're kind of like flirting as they approach the planet. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. just like imagine what it's like to be a bridge officer. Yeah, <laughs> having to like <laughs> be professional while that's happening. They're at it again. <laughs> yeah, and they're ref they're referencing some some ill begotten uh, ill ill ill. Um, some mission they went on where some spaghetti exploded and ended up in her braids. And he was like, was that or the warp core? And I was like, yeah, that, that, that was kind of. And he's like really, he's kind of her second officer. Like, yeah. He's kind of her second officer. Which is a know? full conflict of interest. I mean, let's be real about that. <laughs> yeah. Full conflict of interest. But, you know, I guess there's no HR uh, a, a thousand years in the future. Um, <laughs> it will be a committee chaired by Michael Burnham. Yeah, a committee chaired by Michael Burnham because she's involved in each part that's right, yeah, that's of, right. The, of the situation. Yeah, I rule no be, wrongdoing. Yeah, right. She's going to be running a lot of committees by the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they, they get to the planet. They're speaking to the magistrate. Um, uh, Commander Reeves is, I think it's his name, Commander Reeves is taking, um, I just wrote Commander Hot first because he's, sorry, I Reese. think he's Reese. 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 <laughs> Reese. Really attractive. Reese. Uh, Commander Reese. Thank you. Hot Commander Reese. Reese. Hot Reese. Hot Reese. Uh, Commander Hot yeah. Reese is taking command of the... <laughs> Reese's pieces, yeah. He, he volunteers to take command mm -hmm. of the evacuation. And then uh, it comes to light that not all the people to be evacuated are at the evacuation site. In fact, there are six people um, on another part of the planet. And we come to find out those are prisoners at a prison left there on purpose by the Akali because they're the examples um, of their very harsh penal system being left to die uh, at this anomaly. Uh, and of course, Michael Burnham can't have that. Yeah, there's no way that Michael Burnham could let six people die and just make it a simple thing and uh, move on. <laughs> so she, you know, which is, which is, you know, of course, Starfleet um, protocol is the captain goes to save the six prisoners, right? That's usually how it's supposed to happen, I think. Uh, maybe with, not. With her charming scoundrel boyfriend. With her charming scoundrel boyfriend, yes. who's her first officer. Slash first officer. <laughs> and of course, he's working through some emotional grief and right. open about that. Sure. And she's like, yeah, you can use this mission with potential diplomatic repercussions to do it, of course. Yeah, we only have two. There's <laughs> like, there's, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, the layers are. 
go to normal counseling. You don't you don't need to go to you don't need to have a thrill ride every time. Yeah, set sad. up paintball on the holodeck. Work through it that way. Okay, we can really make this happen. Um, but so then they end up going. So so book book and Michael do head for the the, the prisoners colony um, or the, the prison I should say prisoners colony. That's not what, yeah the the prisoner the prison and um, <laughs> while Commander Reese takes care of the evacuation, they get there. Um, they sort of tech their way through the first wall, and there there's that's more of that flirting that Jay was talking about is going on. They're like you, you know. Um, uh, re- referencing again that they, that he had to uh, chosen the spaghetti thing or whatever it is the noodle the noodle um, <laughs> door instead of the warp cores and then that she got noodle in her braids it's very cute um, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then they uh, these things start coming out of the ground and like oh they're cute little Narisa beetles and she of course knows every fact about them but then book who has a connection to nature can't feel the beetles and they're like oh no the robot beetles come to murder us and um, uh, this is one, one of my favorite things they do is when they have Michael Burnham fix it by her, with her like computer that just appears in front of her, and she's like, "I've almost got it," which is this is also very track. Like the like like give me one second, Captain. I almost got yep. this fixed. Is very that's a very Star Trek. <laughs> also Home very yeah, yeah. Also very track is the Beatles themselves because of course they could have like thrown like you know thrown bombs that would have killed Burnham and Book instantly, but instead they shoot these spinning blades that (laughs) embed themselves into the rock that they're hiding behind and slowly move through. Yeah. Yeah, giving that, like, that nice little, like, apprehension that, like, you know, it's not quite there, but it could get to us. Come on. Three feet of basalt. Technology has its limits. Technology has its limits. They can create (laughs) beetles with uh, ninja stars, but they can't with bombs. Okay? Uh Yeah. I just want to be in part, like, present for that design meeting where it's just like should we like create that kills him right away it's just like no let's make something like let, let, let's make them think about it before they die yeah <laughs> spinning blades are the height of anti-personnel weaponry that's right. and then, and then oh, giving them those moments to be like oh, i never doubted you or like whatever like you know that which is like i guess building more of their relationship for the inevitable uh, kick to the shins yeah. it's about to take at the end of this episode. Yeah, and we um, needed those beetles. We needed to set that up for the prison break later on. Yeah, well, the, exactly right. Yeah. Well, I, w- I refer to that in my notes as a, uh, a thriller callback instead of a comedy callback where yeah. they use <laughs> something <laughs> to fix it, you know. Uh, well, and we will get there. But um, mm-hmm. then they go into, they do go into the prison and they are greeted by six dubious prisoners who apparently don't really want to be rescued all that much. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, yeah. They're really putting up a fight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, the only one of them has a name. I looked up their right. names and one is just prisoner one, two, three, four, five, and oh, four. Oh, and Felix. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they really That's... did not flesh out these prisoners. Um, they barely no. even showed the two of them. Like, we only saw three of them, basically, and then we're, they kept saying six, and I was like, I don't see six. I don't, I don't see I really six. I thought there was like five, four, maybe. Well, one is literally <laughs> just the plot of Les Miserables, right? Like, he stole a piece. Yes, one, I one, really yeah, yeah. Yes. one is yes. fully Jean Valjean. Yes, yes. Yes. He stole a loaf, a loaf of, of bread. And wow. this I swear to you tonight, Michael Burnham. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, great song. That was good. That was, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a great song. Um, uh, yes, so so they get to the prison, and then Jean Valjean Felix um, is like, who are you? The Federation has left us in its wake, and they don't care about us at all. And Right. Uh, yeah. Jay, which is a, which is Careful, a weird... this is where Jay has a lot of feelings. This I have a lot of feelings. Yeah. Good. Let, feelings. let them fly. You're in this the right is, place. This is let a, them fly. Like, it's so... You were in another country under another, like, it feels all this random grievance against the Federation is 
very strange. Supposedly, like before this, the Federation has been dead for like a, over a hundred years. Right. So these mm -hmm. people were born after the Federation disappeared. So yeah, why that's do they, true. That's a good point. Why do they have any grievance? Why are they holding the Federation responsible for what the chain did? And why aren't any of these prisoners at all like excited by the prospect of being rescued? Right. Like I would understand if not all of them are, but like at least one or I two. I think maybe because they lost hope. I think they just were like, I guess this is where I'm gonna die. Like they just didn't believe that anything was gonna. And they only wanted know, to get pay them out. the prisoners to speak. So really, you're constrained <laughs> yeah. by budget as well. <laughs> but, but if they had lost hope, yeah. then they wouldn't be so snarky towards the Federation. Like, they'd be more resigned to their fate. I think, they, I think they were accepted. I think they were like, yeah, okay. Let's like, after they real, realized what was going on, they were like, okay, yeah, get us out of here. Yeah. There was like one quick <laughs> conversation. Yeah. yeah. It was one quick conversation. They agreed to it. And then they were like, oh, you know, you can't go. The, it, there's a biometric lock that you have to get and it's in the basement. Mm -hmm. And then, and then they realized that they can instead shoot down um, the generator for mm -hmm. the locks and, and, uh, and I just, it's just also one of my favorite things they do in Star Trek, where books like, oh, that's Quarnonium metal, one of the hardest yeah. metals that it's known to existence. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you guys yeah. are just, it's we're borderline going on obtainium, but it's, we're not quite yeah. there it's, yet. But we're it's not very, uh, it, can, it can sit on fire, it has a K value of four different. <laughs> yeah, very, very There's, bad. They know everything. Everybody knows everything about all metals known to man in the universe. I, I just think Michael Burnham must really take a lot of ginkgo biloba because that she memory... does. She remembers yes. a lot. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a steel that's trap. That's that Vulcan training. That's that Vulcan yeah. training. You need that. You need <laughs> that. Um, and so they do. They 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 burn through it with their with their phasers. And as the um, um, the walls come down on their prison cages, uh, the uh, one other prisoner who's been paid to speak, the woman, uh, she says, <laughs> uh, she says, I'm out of here. I'm not going to waste my time in a brig. And then uh, Michael uh, holds up her phaser to, to hold her hostage. And they have another sort of confrontation where they talk about yeah. um, how they don't want to go. They, they want some promise that they'll be given um, asylum or they'll be given that they'll, they won't be just put back in prison once once this is all over you know what speaking of asylum speaking of asylum because i when i was watching that i was like why doesn't you just grant them asylum and it took them yeah. way yeah. too long to figure that out when i was sitting yeah. there going they don't yeah that Maybe. doesn't have to <laughs> i mean especially i mean and burnham says this at the end like the colony doesn't exist anymore it won't exist in like a couple hours so you know the right. idea of just like yeah, of course. Like, we'll absorb you. Like, come on in. Like, yeah, it, this this plot is weird. This plot is yeah, weird. Yeah, the, the, there was a little weird dialogue. Yeah, for sure. Jay's and holding I, up his hand. Yeah, I feel like if <laughs> Saru had been the first officer instead of Booker, they would have come to that yeah. solution immediately. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's also one of those yeah. things, too, where it's it's Michael Burnham doing all the things that Michael Burnham is in one episode, which is wild, sort of dramatic choices um, in the moment. And then Hold on, let me reference protocol. Let me let me just get out my books I've got on file here in my little yeah. fanny pack computer. And I lies, have Michael. found the protocol and you know which Are is you which gonna is, follow the rules or not. Right. And so then yeah. she does find something that says that it's okay. And she says, I can offer that to you, but you have to ask for it. So it's like, you know, when you're in uh, negotiations with your boss for a raise, where he's like, listen, I can give you more. You mm -hmm. just got to ask me. <laughs> which, which is weird because Michael's mind is a steel trap, except when she's like, what's this diplomacy thing again? I can't, I got to look it up. Which is not good at know, that. Feels, feels we gotta give her something that she's not good at, I guess. That's I true. think we'd be more angry if she was good at literally everything. Like just mm, <laughs> yeah. 
that would mm-hmm. be a little bit. I think we'd be angry either way about Michael in this situation. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, no matter what she did, we were going to be upset about it. <laughs> I really love her pointing the weapon as if to say, like, you will let me rescue you or you will be abducted. Well, right, right. Yeah. She says, she says it's on stun, but it's still going to hurt. <laughs> yeah, I like Why? that line. That was a fun line. Um, and so, I so we skipped, we skipped a weird thing with Hot Reese. Hot Reese shows up, and and they're like, they keep saying in this episode, "We're running out of time. We're running out of time." They say it so many times in this mm-hmm. episode, but yet they kind of stand around and talk and debate things, and they go, "We're running out of time." So Reese shows up, and he wants to give a little bit of a backstory. So we have time to hear Reese's backstory as to why. Well, we're not really there. That's at the that's at the end. That's not now. That's no. That's that was the- before they walked into the prison. Oh, is that when he said? That's when he said. Yeah, it? I oh, think okay. so. Yeah, yeah that was. If you look at my notes, it's like I am. I am the absent-minded seamstress, and that I just <laughs> I keep losing the thread. I just keep losing the thread. It's not great. Yeah. Do we even see yeah. Reese on the planet after he's at the barrier? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. No, no. They just wanted to really give Reese some backstory, I guess, a little bit in this episode. Yeah. But it, thought- he was rescued from a nameless hurricane. Right. And that's yeah. as much backstory as they're going to give him. Yes. Yeah. I thought he was going to die after he said that. I was like, all right, so they're exposing stuff about him and now he'll die on the mission. Yeah. And then they reveal mm-hmm, it's a hologram mm-hmm. and you never right. see him again, even though he's like, thanks so much for having me along. This means a lot. <laughs> right. Well, it's- yeah, I mean, I mean, to, to kind of go to a broader, I mean, I, I, I definitely want to work through the story, but I mean, one of the thing, reasons why like this story hit me just a little oddly is because like, I thought that's where they were going with that. in the idea of like, if you want to talk about metaphors, like, the way the episode started, I'm just like, oh, well, this is a big honking metaphor about, you know, like how, you know, when Hurricane Katrina hit, basically people like, oh, right. People are still in the prison. Should we, yeah. should we get the, and you're just yeah. like, uh, yeah, I That's think you should. felt good about that. And I right, wonder right. how many people are sitting around being angry at the United States and the United States sure. and the government's that response too. to things That's and going, it. why should I yep. trust you? Why should I trust yeah. you? Right. We, you didn't help me out. Like, right. what are you going to do? And, and, and I thought they were going to a point of like, well, sometimes the people that we consider undesirable, you know, they're, you know, it's, it's easy to craft an argument where they're worth saving more than like the bureaucrats who are basically doing or, or something in a perfect world, everyone gets saved, but, but I you know what I mean? Like Michael. this whole kind of like, this, this, you know, it, it's completely made up this whole like, well, who gets to, who gets to be saved and who not, who doesn't get to. And that's what they're going to upend. And like, because, they kind of do yeah. that, but they kind of don't like mm-hmm. it's, it was, it, it was, it was, it was a weird plot. Especially Michael, to add to what you're saying, there's only six people we were talking about saving. It would have been mm-hmm. a bigger deal if like there's 600 people, we don't have room for them. Leave the sure. 600 people. But it was sure. just six people that they could just like, fit in a hallway somewhere, not a big deal. Right. <laughs> but so it was only six people, like don't save those six people, it's too late. Right. But you know, it's just six people. But no, I think what the, the reason the magistrate wasn't wanting to save them was they were they were making an example of them. That's why it's yeah. called the yeah. examples, right? It's like yeah. leaving them there on purpose Yeah. as like their final I, um, punishment. Yeah. Yeah. And if you wanna, I, and I, even yeah. if you wanna, oh, sorry, yeah, Carrie? No, 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 keep going. Uh, and even if you want to make it just six people, at least make them more of a mixed bag. Like maybe have yes. one or two people in there who are actually reprehensible and just horrible yes. and maybe fill your gut with dread. Because like, yes, this is an unjust justice system, but mm-hmm. there probably are, like if you were to institute something like that, there would be some terrible people. And what makes like yeah. the justice yes. system mm-hmm. so hard to, what makes like prison reform, one of the things that makes it mm-hmm. so hard 
to support for people is that there are terrible people in prison. There are also mm-hmm. a lot of good, like good people unjustly caught in prison or people who are mm-hmm. like forced there through circumstances not under their control, but there are also horrible people. Right. Um, and like to, to pretend that's not the case is a really watered down version of any real life thing. Yeah, well, I, I think, think it, it also goes to that trek. thing. Go ahead. Go. Oh. I was just going to say it felt like a very Trek uh, thing to do, though, because I I do recall several episodes where they discuss the idea of imprisonment and prisoners and asylum. And and that's a very common Trek uh, episode Mm -hmm. uh, theme that they have going on or they meet a planet. They go to planets who don't have any uh, criminals at all and they can't understand a brig or. You know, they have the back and forth about should we follow? They want, they always want to follow the laws of the planet that they're on, and it's 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 a very yeah. common thing that Trek does. I, yeah, I I agree. I just for for me, I feel like all the examples you're you're, you're talking about because I remember several of the episodes. I feel like they come at the subject with real point of view. And mm-hmm. here I didn't really I didn't really get that much point of view with this. Yeah. I, I wasn't quite hundred percent sure what they were trying to say with it. Mm-hmm. Me neither. No, I'm completely on your side, Mike. Yeah, I agree with that let's, as well. Well, let's continue on before we run out of time. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good oh, callback, wow. too. Good callback. We're, we're running out of time. Running out of time. Exactly right. <laughs> we're running out of time. Quick, tell um, us your backstory. <laughs> where were we? Um, oh, yeah. So basically, so they finally, she, she does find the protocol. She has them, uh, she says to them, you have to ask me if you want to have your case reviewed. They say, yes, I want my case reviewed. And then Felix says, oh, wait, I have to go back and get something. And then he comes to the side and um, Michael comes and checks in on him. And he says, I am actually supposed to be here. I did kill someone. And I have to get this one thing before we go. He grabs a little um, uh, marble-shaped kind of giant marble thing. Um, looks like a, maybe an everlasting gobstopper, but like mm-hmm. had been glazed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to think a golden snitch, a snitch. like Yeah, there was Harry a snitch Potter. quality to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially um, considering what comes out of it at the end, it felt very Harry Potter as well. Yeah, it was yeah, a like a Harry mystical, Potter thing. Like a mystical Ferrero Rocher, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You saw it, I'd buy that. I would buy a it's mystical Ferrero Rocher. It's the holidays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the holidays. So they, he grabs that. They they all run uh, for the... For the, the um, the exit, um, they get there, and then they sort of all stand out there, and then the first five of them beam up, and then he finally says, uh, Felix says, um, uh, I, I, I need to stay here. I, I've decided I'm going to do, do my time, do my penance on this planet, um, and then uh, this creates, you know, uh, uh, Michael wants to respect his agency, but also wants to save him, and book uh, it, uh, under no shape, uh, under no... no um, under no circumstances wants to let this person die. He's seen enough death. He's like, you can see he's just like at his wit's end. And so, um, but then they decide they have to respect him and let him choose to, uh, and they did use the word agency, which I was like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a big Mm -hmm. word we throw Mm -hmm. around a lot these days, which is good to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, so she hands him his, she hands him her, uh, her communicator and they say, hey, we'll be in communications range for a little while longer. We'll let you know if it is gonna come your way. They beam up. They find out, in fact, the DMA is going to come through. And he says, let me tell you my story. Um, and then he gives his Jean Valjean, you know, all, <laughs> and this I swear to you tonight. <laughs> After all these years. No, uh, and then he says, um, you know, I. Uh, he says, I will be there. 
I will be there. I will be there. It's <laughs> yeah. two, four, yeah. six, oh, one. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Wow. <laughs> he stole. I stole a golden snitch. Yeah, right. Well, it turns out the thing he stole was um, uh, a, a family, family tree. tree. Yeah. yeah, a family tree yeah. that is from from someone who he had. Uh, Someone who would give him lodging, and then he, this is the Jean Valjean story. Someone who had given him lodging, it really and he is. decided yeah. to steal from them, but then he killed the person. Jean Valjean didn't technically kill the guy. He stole. No, from, he didn't. No, he, he just stole a loaf of bread. Spoke up for him. Mm-hmm. He just yeah. stole a loaf of bread the first time around, yeah. and the second time it was the priest who he's like, he's like, take these candlesticks <sighs> and make it, man, go be if a mayor. Discovery, of a town. if Discovery rewrote Les Mis, though, they would have totally <laughs> had him kill that guy. Yeah, it would have been <laughs> higher stakes. Yeah. 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 But only after that guy revealed some personal trauma, and then he would have been immediately killed. And they um, would have diagnosed him with the savior complex. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're getting there. We're getting there. Don't worry. I know so, that Jay has strong feelings about this, and he's just whole biting do. his tongue, waiting to talk about it. I just want to get through the full plot, and then we can talk all about okay. it. I just want to make sure we cool, get through cool, the end cool, of this right. seed, cool, and then we cool, can go cool, right in. Cool, cool. Um, and so, you know, he tells us a story, and then you see him sort of. This is where I was confused. I guess the DMA came, but also it just shifted his the planet so it went into a sun or it went into the anomaly. I couldn't quite tell what happened. Like, where did the asteroid the, belt go? The planet, I, it was just in the way of the, it was just in the Yeah, I thought it went into the line. DMA. Yeah. The DMA is a sun? I thought it was a, uh, a black hole. It, it looks like, like a sun. sun. It does okay. look it's like an a anom- sun. It's an anomaly. It's All right. An anomaly. I don't want to. I don't pretend. It neither, <laughs> it's neither a sun nor a black hole, and yet maybe both. Yeah, maybe yeah. Both. No, Chris, uh, Chris, I understand your confusion. It did look. It had like a yellow, like a large, yeah. yellow yeah. facade mm-hmm. with like mm-hmm. some black spots, and that did look kind of like a star. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Con- I was yep. a little confused about that, but you know. Yep. Um, and so then, uh, and then comes my. The, to me, kind of the, the most um, spine-chilling moment of the episode. Um, so uh, this has all happened, and then and then Michael finds that the, the person who this family tree belongs to is on the ship. She goes to, to give them the family tree, and she's speaking to Zora, the, um, the uh, sphere intelligence that is now um, sentient in their computer. And Zora's like, mm-hmm. oh, I, could, I sense some microtones in your voice. You sound sad. Mm-hmm. I, I, and she's like, I experience human emotion now. And then you literally hear, what did she say? I wrote it down. Oh, she wrote, she just goes, you feel emotions? Like you could see like, yeah. stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, oh it's no. It's a recent development. It's yeah, a recent development. There's show. no way, there's gotta be an episode that's gonna be all about Zora, like feeling emotions and shit going sideways. I'm just ready for that. There was a short track there. Did you, did you ever I watch did, any yeah. of the short tracks? Yeah, the um, uh, Calypso was one and, like but this was a weird one where discovery was had been like abandoned for a thousand years so we don't actually know where in the timeline this short trek took place but the ship was totally uh sentient and and communicating with the person in the in the short trek so well they felt interesting they felt, the ship fell in love with that person right they sort of had yeah. like a, a movie yeah. romance dancey yeah. kind of thing yeah and let yeah. him go i don't think yeah. i've watched this one it. okay i haven't watched yeah. that one yeah yeah, that's oh, good. Yeah, that's a good one. The other thing I want to say about that is I think it's a Gene Roddenberry type of uh, th- uh, idea that they're bringing into Star Trek that wasn't that was only sort of there. Have you ever watched Andromeda, which is another Roddenberry show? Kevin mm-hmm. Sorbo was in it. It was like in 2000, 2005. But the, pre, the, pre his the neoconservative com- ways before he was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. post post Hercules. Yes. 
pre-insurrection. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> that was back when they were still putting Kevin Sorbo in things. Yeah. Oh, wow. But the, anyway, the ship was sentient, and that was the Andromeda okay. was the ship. The name of the ship was Andromeda. Andromeda was a sentient uh, ship, and that was also a Gene Roddenberry uh, written by mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Well, that was very um because th- they were on at the same time that 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 was very Farscape too, which was also about yeah. mm-hmm. living ship. Ooh, Farscape, deep cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great show. Sorry. Uh, and just so, to put the final bow like on it. this on this plot, real quick, um, she meets this person who is the the daughter of the man of the of the priest who got murdered by Jean Valjean, and um, she hands her the family tree, and then we see the tree. This is the very Harry Potter moment where the tree grows mm-hmm. out of her hand, and she's like, "This is where I would be," mm-hmm. and Michael's like, "Well, now you can add your face there," and and that's that's sort of the <laughs> the end of this <laughs> this part. It scans her and then leaves a very sort of yeah. like nonplussed selfie on the tree which yeah. is great and know. just sort of in a random branch like yeah, not just really like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just anywhere on the tree that's fine wherever there's yeah, a spot i feel like we have that technology now for we something should... like yeah. that you know what yeah. i mean maybe we could maybe. it was it was above her dad she was above her dad i guess trees are up tree. right not down yeah that makes more sense that would be the yeah, <laughs> that's way true. go. She was right about that. They go out. They go out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot I, of different ways. I have different gripes with the episode than family tree placement. Oh, okay. <laughs> Give them to us, Jay. <laughs> what are your gripes? Give us your well, gripes. So I've, I've meditated on my emotions. And I guess I really loved the setup of the prison storyline. Um, mm-hmm. It had so much potential from the start. And they really slimmed it down in order to make room for other things. Yeah. And just like at a glance, there were two things they could have done to really juice up the storyline and make it more interesting. One was to make the prisoners less uniform. Like you never see any disagreement between the prisoners, even though the lead prisoner, Felix, is harboring a deep secret that he hasn't told anyone, right? And he's posing as one of the other prisoners mm-hmm. who are all unjustly put under life sentences for small crimes, um, when in reality, he has murdered someone. And that would that could lead to him acting in a different way than the others and would lead to tension with the Starfleet crew because he's sort of the de facto leader. And so if the other people want to be released while he doesn't want to be released and he's trying to influence people against it, maybe cast doubt on Starfleet as a result because he's trying to deal with his guilt um, about the murder and his belief that he shouldn't be freed and that he needs to be punished and perform mm. penance, that would be fascinating. And then the then his reveal would have like really big plot ramifications. Um, yeah. The other the yeah. other kind of thing that they missed is like it would have been so juicy if the Starfleet crew had to work with the prisoners to escape. Like if they're trapped inside mm-hmm. and then the there's like there's some security system that comes up and the prisoners say like, well, we've seen the guards operate and we've been here for years and we like know these systems and like we have to work together. And that way, if there is some naive, like Burnham, you know, Burnham's clinging to this belief that like, oh, this is unjust and like everyone should be saved. Burnham would have to confront mm-hmm. maybe some more unsavory people in the prison who she has to work with who are... Yeah not just like perfect Les Miserables. I am just a poor <laughs> urchin in like a, in the wrong place, but my heart is of gold and you know? Right. Um, but no, they, they trimmed it down a lot um, to make room for others. No, I agree with that. And, and, and I could have used a whole lot less of the plot we haven't spoken about yet, but which was um, <laughs> plot B. Um, um, it's, it's one, it's, I refer to this plot as your, your least favorite um, 
straight white male toxically masculine coworker <laughs> comes, oh, yeah. comes no. with their favorite best idea that they really believe in. That, yeah. um, that's sort of the, the, the vibes he was giving me. Uh, uh, yeah, um, Doctor, what's his name? Uh, I have it down here. Dr. Rahul, Darka? Uh, Dr. Tarka, yeah. Tarka, yeah. Tarka, yeah. Ruan Tarka, yeah. Yeah, someone who's from Risa but hates pleasure, clearly. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, okay. Sorry, we should let you summarize, Chris. <laughs> I just want to quickly do that one, and then we can come back to do the, all the things. That's all. No, but and that, should that one's quick too. Tarka storyline, yeah. Yeah, and so basically, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. I do agree with everything everybody just said, but actually, I like this episode, okay. <laughs> and I liked okay. it a lot. I really enjoyed it, and it had some like fun. It just, it, it, it was reminiscent for me of a lot of things, and I think a lot of things that they were setting up were more of like uh, ethical, uh, moral uh, thought problems that may or may not have a solution or or they could have two right answers and also multiple wrong answers or multiple right answers so i i was you know that sort of a idea of a assisted suicide um whether whether that's right or wrong the ethical dilemma um and um the, but but i do think the thing that was very stupid was leaving that guy on the planet and letting him die because they could have brought him up with them and then handed him back over to his jailers and said you deal with him like he didn't want asylum they could have he could have just it was just a short trip up and down off the planet back on it was just Mm -hmm. gonna theoretically just to stop you from exploding so i did think that was kind of stupid and uh you know anyway but i like the episode (laughs) they didn't really sit in any of the questions that they brought up though Yes, I agree with that. They really don't sit yeah. in them for more than a minute at most. Like the the only real. We don't have time. We're running out of time. We're running out of time. <laughs> yeah, we but... don't have time. But like that's that's all. Like you know, the only things we get on assisted suicide are three questions from Book on the other mm-hmm. side of the barrier when Felix says like I must stay here and Book asks right. three questions and one is just like you said no one left behind which is like okay you can repeat Burnham's words but obviously the situation has changed. I wrote them down because I I this confused as to why these questions were being asked. Um, where did I write them? So, okay, you said no one left behind, and then Burnham says, like, you know, but it's what he wants. Then he says, let him kill himself, which is just a repeat of the situation that's occurring. And then the third thing Book says is, we have to save him. I can't just, and then he trails off. And none of those are, like, really add anything to the ethical issue at hand. I don't know. I, I disagree. <laughs> I think it was fine. I liked it. I I thought the time that they spent on it was fine. I think it would have been tedious if we went on about it. And um, uh, they don't have a right to tell him that he has to leave. They yeah. have no right over him. Sure. They want him to. They can convince him to. They don't have time to have, you know, have long drawn out conversations with him. So they just have to respect what he wants to do. The other thing they could have done was fight him and he wouldn't have gone willingly. So I don't know. I, I thought that it set up enough of the thing so that we could just, because clearly there's going to be a problem between Booker and uh, uh, Michael Burnham in the future because they right. that was a big deal. That was a big deal. That's like a relationship ending deal that yeah. just happened right there. So I, I think that it's not going to, I don't think we're going to hear the end of it. I hope not, um, but it's enough for us to be talking about it now. So I think also what Star Trek does is just do open-ended questions for, you could talk about, like think about, you don't even if you don't have anybody to talk about, I don't know that they're trying to give you answers. 
anyway. Well, no, sorry. Okay. You know, we should, we can, we can wrap this up here, but I have like, I just have one thing, which is like, there've been entire episodes done on this premise of like, should this person, mm-hmm. should this person's assisted suicide happen? There's like mm-hmm. one in Deep Space Nine where Quark thinks he's going to die and thinks he has to auction off his body for parts. And one in Next Generation where Worf is paralyzed mm-hmm. and therefore wants to be killed. Um, mm-hmm. And the way that they deal with it is by making that episode a deep dive into that character's life and culture. Um, well, I don't know that this is just about assisted suicide, though. I think this is more about you cannot control this person's wishes. It's not about they're not helping him die there as much as they're helping him make his own, letting him make his own decision. I don't think it's exactly the same thing, but I do agree that they have done this theme a lot. in Star Trek maybe maybe too much. I don't know. Well, well, I think it speaks to the, th- the thought also that they did have a lot of ideas in this episode. And um, we come to the theme as well that there are shorter seasons and so they're packing more things into the season, more things into the episodes. And we are used to being able to explore thoughts like this in longer right. episodes. And it's yeah, a little right. bit of a different paradigm now, um, which includes the beast plot of this uh, uh, episode, yes. which is uh, uh, they bring on Dr. Uh, Dr. Turka to help with his to help with the research into the DMA, and so they bring him in to work with Stamets. And thank God, Jet Reno is back. Thank God for taking uh, Love Jet Reno and gives so amazing, good. amazing uh, uh, asides, and is very funny and, yeah. and so good and much mm-hmm. missed and needed. And I'm so glad they're back. Um, so basically, uh, yes, he he's come coming in hot with some rough energy. This this. Uh, Rohan, Rohan Tarka and uh, well, rough energy is a nice way of saying that he's a jerk. He's a total d bag. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's, he's mm-hmm. the yeah, yep. I wrote Ricean d bag, yeah. uh, which is definitely what's going on with him. But he he seems to really believe in his ideas, and he uh, he says some rude stuff to to Saru. He says some rude stuff to Stamets. But then Stamets is won over when he shows that he's got uh, what he thinks is a prototype of a small DMA, of the, of the device that's used to create the DMA, and they get lost in the, the idea of creating that and doing an experiment. They convince Saru to let them do it. Um, they have, um, Jet, uh, uh, they have uh, Jet Reno there to help uh, uh, bring power in to make it happen. Um, <clears throat> and to like, and to to counterbalance the self importance oh, yeah. of the two engineers to bring an actual <laughs> yeah. like comedy into the moment, um, which is wonderful. Um, uh, and then they they give um, I like this. She's like they're like okay, we need more power. Um, can you do it this way by 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 pulling things from the transporters? And Shrew asks Jet how dangerous it would be. She was like, well. On a scale of zero to ten, I'd say six. Like it's like the most, it's the most <laughs> yeah. perfect delivery. So good, yeah. so good. It's, it's it's all about power. It's these push and pull of power. There's even a screaming match with um, with Saru who comes oh, with Saru's a full like screaming. tiger scream. <laughs> you know, so like, good. That was the fun. That was the funniest part I think in the in this episode. Yeah, quite good. Quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's all about, I mean, the, the also like the, it's like the struggling for power, 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 you know, they need more power and like that kind of thing is very, um, could it be representing other things? Probably. Um, uh, they give Saru the, the kill switch, which he takes and he ends up using just as they're about to get the information they need. And then uh, we get one more wonderful, wonderful line from Tig, which is, that is the closest you have come to killing us all. And that is say- really saying something. And I think that's the... <laughs> That's a really good one, too. Um, yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can see that Stamets is like, okay, excited about the idea of getting this information because he wants to, as we have said, um, 
uh, help book and his family and um, uh, and, and yeah thoughts what do you, what do we think about this this B plot um, my pleasure at seeing Stamets have to deal with someone as condescending as he is was <laughs> offset <laughs> was, was offset by my by my sadness at seeing Saru get bullied. By, yeah. Uh, by yeah. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> well, I mean, Chris, Chris, you mentioned, you know, that, that they kind of trade off between, you know, uh, yeah, be, between, between Jet, Jet bringing the comedy and also like this guy and his kind of matched with Saru kind of bringing the comedy. And like, I think that's true, except like all the Jet stuff I thought was great and all the stuff with him in general, I just thought was just kind of just kind of late and laid there and like i feel bad because i feel like i'm about to pick on an actor but like i did not care for this guest actor like at all yeah. so much so towards the end of the episode when they kind of signpost that just like oh don't worry this guy's gonna stick around there was a part of me that was just like oh okay. no and like it, 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 it and it wasn't from the sense of like it, it wasn't you know like this character is irritating and they're irritating on purpose and they're an irritant and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't like a, but they're playing it perfectly. It was more just like, I don't like this guy's energy, honestly. It's, it's, yeah. it's odd to me. And it's just a performance mm -hmm. thing. I think. You just, you weren't a fan of his performance. That's I fair. was not a, yeah, I was not a fan yeah. of his performance. Well, I, I feel suspect, like, yeah. Can go ahead, Carrie. There you go. I, I have a suspicion that uh, Tarka is, augmented and somehow i don't i have i okay. have he's giving me strong augment vibes mm -hmm. uh he's definitely been enhanced somehow which is probably why he's you know has that strong ego and he had a he mentioned about how smart he was at four i think probably mm -hmm. he was definitely augmented and and in the end you do see the uh little hint of that he has a, a scar on the back of his neck so something something happened to him something was implanted into him he was used somehow so mm -hmm. i i think we're going to find out more about exactly why his behavior is that way when they show augments in in other star trek episodes they all have that sort of uh, uh, pride, ego type of uh, megalomaniacal type of uh, mm -hmm. attitude. Mm -hmm. I thought the neck thing was a was a reference to being under emerald chain imprisonment. I thought, I thought it that was would, I thought too. That too. Yeah, I did look yeah. it up though, and it mm. did seem that that might not be the case because I was okay. like, "What is the what does the internet think this is?" and <laughs> and uh, the internet is also you know fifty fifty on what that could be. Is it an emerald chain thing or is it something else? Because yeah. like it's preceded by him saying like I know anger and then doing yeah. that and that like really seems to mm -hmm. especially given that the emerald chain was only there last season. And he yeah. also mentioned that he knew that Stamets had been under some sort of neural lock of the Emerald yes. Chain as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he's working with Aurelius, who's the other person who was working with the Emerald Chain, who's mm -hmm. played by uh, mm -hmm. Kenneth Kenneth Mitchell, who plays Aurelius. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, <clears throat> so, so, yeah, some Emerald Chain related thing, but essentially, yeah, that was, that was my one big takeaway that I suspect that there's something more to him than what yeah. he is. Um, I will really... Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. I, I've always loved Saru because he feels like one of the people on the show who takes his duty very seriously and is willing to put the crew and ship above himself. And other characters will just plainly say like, hey, I'm sad. So can you put me on this really important mission? Because I don't mm -hmm. want to because I want to help um, <laughs> and it'll be good for me. Whereas Saru would not do that. And in this episode, right. Saru does, they essentially do that to Saru, where Tarka like yells at Saru and chides him for being uptight until Saru yells back. And then 
newly emboldened by that story is like, all right, I guess I can live a little. Sure, run an experiment on my ship. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> or almost kill us yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah, which um, is not, I don't know. I do think that so where, where our A and B plot come together at the end is with Tarka and Book at in 10 Forward or whatever they're, sorry, I know that's just next generation, but that's what I'll call it forever. <laughs> in yeah. their bar, in their ship's bar, mm-hmm. um, they meet up and... Um, and you can tell that it's going to be, I wrote, um, a dangerous combo because, you know, uh, uh, Tarka has said he knows he knows he can speak the language of anger and Book is so mm-hmm. angry. He just had to let another person die. And so yeah. there's some, something's going to happen yeah. with the two of them where, yeah. where Tarka's going to get Book to come do something crazy experiment or something to do with the DMA. You can just feel it. Um, it's yeah. going to be interesting. And he's, he's, he thinks that Tark, Tarka knows who it is. So he right. starts, yes. you know... Uh, <laughs> confronting him about it but Tarka is smart but he's not that smart he knows right. that something it is something right. uh, but I don't think he knows who it is personally I don't think he knows who it is yeah he said he basically just knows that if if we didn't have enough power on the whole ship to 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 run the experiment then the whole real thing must be run by a giant hyper giant star yes um, that's so, what he yeah. knows yeah, but exactly. who is controlling that? Maybe gods, and then they gets he gets angry. It's not gods. I think it, it might gods. be Reg Barkley, you guys. I think it yeah, might I think be it's Reg. Reginald Barkley. <laughs> I think it's Reginald Barkley. I think it's broccoli. I, I think it's broccoli. Without any explanation. No, but it's yeah, Reg Barkley. <laughs> you know who it is? It's Reg Barkley who 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 um got when he did like the flowers for Algernon thing, where he like just kept getting smarter and smarter and yes. smarter. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And, and when, then at the end of that episode, he was just fine. That was that yeah. He was just he was like, I'm um, 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 sorry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't mean it. I'm fine. Yeah. Imagine oh, becoming that smart and then not being that smart again. Yeah. Yeah. I I, mm. I, I yeah. Luckily, I'm I'm I've stayed this level of dumb my whole life, and <laughs> yeah. I'm cool with that. It's been nice. Same. It's been nice. Yeah. Um, Same. One thing that I didn't really get about the storyline is that there is some sort of sense of urgency where like Tarka insists this experiment has yeah. to be run now, mm-hmm. but there's no real reason for it because it's not yeah. like they're on the verge of some breakthrough that would help them avert the DMA from the planet, mm-hmm. which they could have just easily sci-fi shoehorned in yeah. if they wanted to, but. Yep. Yep. There's no real reason this has to be done now. Like They can't wait until they're at a safer juncture where they're not in the middle of a rescue mission. And they were suddenly, it felt like little kids like discovering a toy and then realizing that they'll have to have that toy or they die. You know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> and it's like, no, this is the only way. This is the only yeah. way. But you didn't know about that thing five minutes ago. But now this is the only chance they'll yeah. ever have ever again. That's so good. That's such a good way to put <laughs> But now I yeah. need Tickle Me Elmo or I'll I die. Need it. I'll die if I don't have it. It's like, mm, you guys, no, you got enough. Yeah. You have enough toys. So you just use what you got. <laughs> uh, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, I agree with that. That's funny. <laughs> well, you know, boys and their toys. Am I right, ladies? Boys no, and their, their toys. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, we do have one more plot to talk about. I'm sorry yes. to be the task mistress to keep bringing us Let's back to these it. things. Let's do uh, it. This one's much shorter. It's it's Dr. Colbert um, finally <laughs> wrestling with the fact that he's not he's not okay. He has a quick telehealth appointment with Dr. Quick telehealth appointment. Sure, that's what it was. It's absolutely like exactly like a telehealth appointment. He's like, you have 10 minutes to tell me what's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, I love this scene. I thought this was one of the better. This is my favorite scene in the entire episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jay's making a different face. Jay has a different feeling. Yeah. 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 Um, I like the premise of the scene. 
but I was expecting more from Kovic than just yeah. like a diagnosis of savior complex, which when sure. it's been used to describe Michael Burnham should not be used except for the most extreme of diagnoses. And there are like palpable differences between Burnham's savior complex and Hugh's, you know, desire to like bury himself in his work. One being that like Hugh isn't inserting himself into matters of cosmic importance where he's not necessarily needed, mm -hmm. but mm. wants to be relevant. He's offering to help as a therapist and like with refugees on the ship. And that's <clears throat> yeah, not- but Culper needed that brutal honesty though. Culper needed yeah. that. That's what he needed. He needed somebody who was not his boyfriend or his captain or you know somebody he was close to who was yeah. outside of it to be like listen this is what it is and you have to do this or you're going to suffer needlessly i did love the line <laughs> um you died and came back to life little wonder you're a mess uh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that's so good and then i also wrote down diagnosis human because that's yeah. basically what he said he's like <laughs> you're just a person you may be a miracle yeah. who, the, who the hell knows but you're just a person mm -hmm. who does need rest um and also the line, the way you escape the persistent guilt of being alive. I was like, oh, yeah. my God. That was, that was good. That was good. <laughs> and I think that we were this long discussion that we had with the A plot. I think that the Colber storyline ties in a little bit to our A plot because of the the discussion oh, yeah. they were having with Felix about about guilt. You have a guilt for being alive. You yeah. uh, you need to that. And that's. <laughs> I feel like it's like two ends of the spectrum that they were showing here. Um, or maybe that's not the right phrase, but you know what I, but you, you know, know they're, what they're parallel, parallel saying. ideas in yeah. different, in different, shown in different yeah. situations. Yeah. I, sure. I, yeah. I get that. Yeah. Oh, Kovic is the world's most efficient therapist. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I always appreciate any kind of scene where someone, you know, kind of dares someone else to be like, okay, fine. Like read me. And like, they just do it in the most like, flat but like comprehensive way and right. the way Kovic just finishes up with just like I gotta go I have a two o'clock it's basically just like <laughs> what he what he did just did that was very profound for you basically it was just like I'm already not thinking about it anymore like that but right. like and, and, and not in a cruel way but a more just like just like yeah I'm a professional basically there you go I'm done you know like that kind of thing um also I'm trademarking the title uh, diagnosis human for um, you know, some kind of project so what well, maybe we should yeah. maybe that'd be the title of this episode of this podcast for, for uh, this, i love it okay uh, yeah of this perfect. episode i think diagnosis wow. human. great uh, perfect um i think we've we've tied all the plots anybody yeah. and i and we are coming we're now about 10 minutes over our hour usual yeah. hour so if does anyone have any sort of final thoughts or recommendations you want to go around and say uh, you know well my final thought is to have a, enjoy your holidays yeah. and yes. to don't don't feel so guilty all the time don't <laughs> don't put things on yourself you know don't mm. you got to take time for yourself so my recommendation and final thought is everybody take some time for yourself step back enjoy your holidays um yeah that's my recommendation there you go jay what about you <clears throat> You know, don't, don't, I've spent, I've spent a lot of time the past, in the past week, overthinking one episode of Star Trek Discovery. Um, and I would say just, you know, sit down and do something creative with no expectation of it being good to do a sort of brain cleanse. 
that's that's, that's nice. Great. I love I like that. that. That's, great. that's yeah. a great advice. So are you saying like I these like writers that. in this episode did when they put this episode? I'm just kidding. No, that's <laughs> a... <laughs> not everything I say is a dig. I know. Oh, just you know, take care of your brain. Yeah, that's a good that's yeah. a good, good advice. Good. Yeah. We we use it a lot in this day and age. We do. All right, Mike Henley, any final thoughts, recommendations? I feel like I can't compete with what just started being because um, both of those both of those pieces were so good. Um, yeah, just uh, you know, uh, and also I'm bad at taking my own advice because you know I'm 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 about to I agree with everything that was just said, including like take care of yourself and take your time and all that kind of stuff. Who is terrible at taking vacation time at my job? I am. So I you know, <laughs> um, so do what I say and not what I do is uh, is is my advice. I guess I like that. Um, my recommendation is to, and because we haven't talked about it almost at all, I have to bring it back to Deep Space Nine. Um, <laughs> there is an yes. episode. There's an episode where Worf and Dax go down to Risa, and the lead oh, Jaharaman yes. person is Vanessa Williams. Vanessa oh yes, yeah. no one told oh, me yes. Vanessa Williams was on Deep Space Nine, and it was like we were you... waiting for you to find out yourself. <laughs> yeah, we didn't want to ruin this moment by even hinting at it. So take this some time planned. to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll y'all were in cahoots with the with the the right with Rick Berman back in the nineties. Be like, don't let Chris watch this until two thousand twenty one, and pandemic number three. Um, and Can I just say I, I I'm sorry I remember that episode very well, and like that episode has never made me hate Worf more. Because oh, it's yeah. basically yeah. just him being brought along on vacation. And he's basically just like, stop having fun. Everyone's having way too much fun. Yeah, yeah. Fully. Like we're on vacation. But also just yeah. Williams being like, oh, I remember Curzon Dax. We banged all the time. Like, I was like, this is my Remember? Yeah. I banged him to death. Like, literally. Yeah, that's that's canon. Yep. That's yep. canon. That's oh, canon, baby. That's canon. That happens. That's right. He had a, he had that happens. Heart, on Star but, uh, Trek. He had a Klingon heart, but not a Klingon body. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Banged him to death. Well, that's our last note for you guys. For this Diagnosis and should also be the title. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> oh, my Woo. God. We did it. Oh, us. I love us. I love us. I love, I love us. us. Seriously, though, that um that episode, you, I, the way I screamed at my television, I was like, Vanessa Williams! Like, I, I literally... <laughs> <laughs> Hold the phone. And she looked... What, what, what? She looked in freaking credible. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah I, could, yeah. I mean, she's obviously <laughs> a timeless beauty, but like in her prime, it's like stunning. You can't you can't fight it anyway. Nope. Okay. Well, my <sighs> friends. Yeah. Been a pleasure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Signing right. off. Yeah. Yep. All right. Oh, oh, oh are, are we, we going to?